now, The Whole Home Show with Tony Joe on CFAX 1070. Hey there, everyone. Welcome to another episode of The Whole Home Show. I'm Tony Joe. I'm your host here. And every week we bring you tips, education, and updates on home-related matters. Uh, whether or not you are in the real estate market or if you're just looking for decorating or improvement ideas around your place, this is a great spot to be. Our show comes to you every week with the support of our show partners, Denise Webster, mortgage broker with Dominion Lending Center's Modern Mortgage Group, J.P. Sellas, insurance advisor at Westland Insurance, the Sitka Law Group for your real estate, wills and estates, corporate and personal injury needs, and Silhouette Home Inspections with Pierre Beauvais. If you need help or direction in your real estate transaction, give any of the whole Home Show team members a call. They would love to hear from you. Uh, I've been your host here every week for five years now, although that's not my primary job. My primary job, of course, is helping people buy or sell real estate, and I've been doing it here in Greater Victoria since 1991. I've seen a lot of things happen and a lot of markets change. I'd be happy to chat with you as well, too. If you're thinking about doing something out there in uh, 2023, and you want to ha want to have a chat about the market, what to expect, um, you know, maybe even how we can get you from point A to point B. Just reach out to me; I'd be happy to chat with you. You can you can find my contact information and the rest of the whole Home Show team members by visiting cfax1070.com. Look under Shows, and there you'll find us, the whole Home Show with me, Tony Joe, uh, or just Google us, Google me, Google us. Happy to introduce you to our team. We love hearing from you. We hear from you every week. Uh, and that's just a great demonstration about our loyal listeners here at CFAX 1070. There's a lot of things that have happened out there in the marketplace. Things have changed, things have shifted. Of course, the government likes imposing new rules to try to make changes out there in the marketplace. And this year, I got to say, it's one of those where there's a lot of new stuff. I wrote a blog and I have posted it on my webpage, primeteam.ca slash blog. It's our blog area. And I have covered all of the regulatory changes that are happening out there. And I've done a little rating system as well, too, on a scale of one to five, how it affects you as a buyer, how it affects you as a seller, uh, or how it affects you just as a homeowner. If you have no plan to buy or sell, you know, what kind of change will that, uh, what the effect have on you? And to discuss these things today, we have our show partners, Denise Webster from Dominion Lending Center's Modern Mortgage Group and Grapreet Randawa from the Sitka Law Group here to cover all these things. Now, since there's so much to talk about, we're going to jump right in it. Uh, Denise and Grapreet, uh, Happy New Year. Happy New Year, Tony. Oh my goodness, it's, it's great to be back. Today when we're recording, it's also sunshine. We've got sunshine in the windows. There's nothing like being in Victoria, right? Yep, just wait. It'll it'll change if you don't like it right now. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Well, um, let's start with uh, Denise. Denise, what's going on out there in the world of um, mortgages, interest rates, and all that kind of stuff? We are, I guess, bracing for news again. I think it's January. Was it the 25th or something? 25th. January 25th will be the Bank of Canada's call. Yep. Um, so, yeah, I think everybody is bracing and just kind of waiting to see what comes down. I mean, we're going to get a look at um, the Fed rate and we're going to get a look at the CPI on January 20th. And that may... Oh, hold on. For those who... Uh, what is CPI for the, those like uh, us that... The Consumer Pricing Index. Thank you. All right. Yep. Yep. Um, and that could 
push Bank of Canada one way or the other. I mean, if you're looking at a, a trend between most economists right now, um, it's a pretty good idea that we are going to see another rate hike on that floating rate. Um, we're all fingers crossed that maybe it's only a quarter percent, but yeah, we will see on January 25th. So anybody in those floating adjustable rate mortgages will feel that their mortgage payment will change again. Um, anybody in those variable static mortgage payments, um, their payment won't change, but less of it's always obviously going towards principal, more going to interest. And we're seeing those adjustments in the amortization of their mortgage adding on years. We can get into that another time, but yes, I think um, I think it's probably going to be another quarter percent. Okay. Um, don't hold me to that. Uh, and there is a lot of talk that this could be the final cap for the resting period. It might be the final increase. Oh, Re I hope. resting period. The That's, resting period. You know, I made a, I I made a prime rib the other day, and <laughs> you pull it and you pull it out of the oven. And then you get your resting period, right? Yes. So this is the resting period. <laughs> I wish we were talking about prime rib. <laughs> oh, my goodness. You know, it's interesting because there has been some thought about the fact that maybe it would have been the end of the interest rate uh, increases a little while ago. But I have also read some economists are talking about that. I mean, we might be faced with this in the year. So we might not see a see softening until maybe the later half of 2023. Bank of Canada, they won't stop until inflation comes down, but there's a lot of um, signs of just, I mean, in the housing market, especially, right? It is going to cool off. I feel it. Everybody's feeling it. It's quiet right now. Mm -hmm. So um, it doesn't- and If it's quiet for you, it is quiet, right? Thank you, Tony. Yeah. yeah. No, this is the first time in my almost 13 years that um i had a true christmas holiday it was quiet and <laughs> well I, what, there was a snow thing too right yes that helps <laughs> yeah yeah but yeah i think um you know with a with a, a slow period in the housing market uh we might see better signs of that inflation rate coming down i mean it's pretty it's pretty evident i think that the housing market will have the biggest impact on it mm -hmm. um so when I say the resting period, yeah, that's where we actually think the Bank of Canada will just hold tight and kind of see what is if we're really bringing down that inflation rate. Um, but it's not going to be a knee-jerk reaction to lower rates if inflation suddenly comes down. They're not going to do it quickly. I really do believe that if you know we get through this, we might see those rates start to come down by the end of 2023. So yeah. if you are in that floating rate mortgage and you feel like you can handle another you know, interest rate hike, um, I do still advise a lot of my clients to hold tight if they can and get through this because it's not here forever and the rates will start to come back down. Not pandemic levels at all. I know you noted that in your blog as well, Tony. Mm -hmm. you know, nobody should have got used to rates under 2%. Yeah. Uh, we won't go back there again, but we will definitely get back to a more manageable rate. Okay. So quiet, uh, Gurpreet, you know, before we started up the program uh, today too, you know, I had asked you guys how things are going. Of course, you guys see the registrations because when the closings happen, uh, that's when you guys step in and we know the sales numbers are down. So you're probably seeing that as well, right? Yeah, we've definitely also noticed a decline in volume. Um, it generally is slower this time of the year. Um, but we track our numbers year over year, um, and uh, I would say less volume uh, as compared to January of 2022. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. yeah. Well, it's it's an interesting time. You know, you, you the three of us, because we're in this game together, you know, uh, this time last year or 11 months ago. Remember how crazy it was? It was yeah. nuts. And people, uh, you know, uh, clients were having a hard time finding service. There had to, uh, there was a point in time, Gurpreet, where lawyers were having to turn people away, right? Capacity. I know. And that never happens. <laughs> cutoff dates, right? This is the date. No more new files after this yeah. date. Yeah. The cutoff periods were just so strict. They had to be to manage. Yeah. So the message right now is open for business as usual as we all are right yeah yeah very interesting time so um yeah for us it's the same thing it's been a little bit quiet i mean we've seen the sales numbers down um for our team we are still helping people who want to move and want to buy every week we still get a call from somebody who wants to do something so that doesn't change you see i think the biggest thing is that people think oh my goodness it's slow that means the market is gone it never goes away no. All it has done is it has um, gone back to a more reasonable level from where it was before, right? Yeah, agreed. Yeah. And anything, comparing anything to 2021 is, I just don't think anything should be compared to 2021 ever again. Yeah, it was the big one, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So many things to talk about. So um, again, with the blog, and I just want to give uh, our listeners here uh, a little taste of what we're going to be talking about after the break here. We have things like the uh, federal ban on foreign buyer purchases. We have for realtors, uh, no more coming soon listings uh, on an exclusive basis. We have the expansion of the BC Speculation and Vacancy Tax. We've got the BC Housing Supply Act. We have the home buyer rescission period, the federal anti-flipping tax, uh, and of course, you know, a little more conversation about interest rates. So you think we'll be able to fit that in in, in today's show here, uh, both of you? <laughs> we'll see. It's a we'll lot die. of stuff. Okay, well, listen, uh, need to take our break here. When we come back, we're having a conversation with our show partners and supporters, Gapreet Rendawa from the Sitka Law Group, and also Denise Webster from Dominion, Dominion Lending Center's Modern Mortgage Group. We'll be back in just a moment. You're listening to The Whole Home Show with Tony Joe on CFAX 1070. Thanks for coming back. You're listening to The Whole Home Show, and I'm Tony Joe. So many changes happening out there. You know what? I've been at this for a long time. I spent a lot of time at the table as a director of the real estate board here in Victoria. I was the president in 2008, involved in government relations, both for uh, our local real estate board and for the association, the British Columbia Association. I'm presently involved in federal affairs for the Canadian Real Estate Association. Not, uh, none of this stuff surprises me except for the fact that there's a lot of it <laughs> right now. So that's what we're talking about here. Our guests today uh, are our show partners, Gurpreet Randawa from the Sitka Law Group, and also Denise Webster from Dominion Lending Center's Modern Mortgage Group, uh, because this affects all of us, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Let's start with this. Now, uh, Gurpreet, we talked about this uh, several episodes ago, but this is just a follow-up here right now. As of January the 1st, the federal government has banned purchases by foreign buyers. Now, the reason why it's important to have this chat with you is because the law community, you're kind of like the gateway, right? Um, yeah. So let's talk about what the government has imposed upon the legal community in this regard. Yeah, so just as a reminder, so last year we had the foreign um, buyer tax that was introduced a couple of years ago. And so foreign buyers were permitted to purchase in BC. However, they had to pay 
a tax in addition to the property transfer tax, and that was 20% of the purchase price <laughs> in um, the greater Victoria area. And by the way, that was in addition to the property transfer tax, right? Exactly. So it was substantial. Okay. And, and I asked you last time too, I said, how many times have you bumped in, have you had somebody write a check for that 20%? Not many times. It's it's rare in my experience. Yeah. And it is. Yeah. Right. Anyways, I'm yeah. sorry. I cut you off. Yeah. So no, yes. No, no. Yeah. Um, so we weren't seeing in our office that many foreign buyer transactions. As of January 1st, foreign buyers are not permitted to purchase residential real estate at all. Um, so it's not as though you can, you know, pay that ad additional tax and purchase residential property, uh, in BC, not permitted at all. Um, so realtors just need to be aware of that. If you are approached by a foreign buyer, who's interested in purchasing property in BC, know that they're not permitted. Um, they may very well still, still enter into a contract, um, maybe not knowing, um, but under the regulations, they can actually be forced to sell for the same price. They're not permitted to profit. Mm -hmm. um, and there's penalties associated with purchasing, notwithstanding this ban as well. Um, whenever we're meeting with clients, we do need to verify citizenship. Um, so that's certainly a question that we will be asking, but by then usually the clients have already entered into unconditional contracts. Mm -hmm. um, and there are ramifications associated with that. So certainly yeah. something to be aware of going into the home buying process. Yeah, this was an interesting one too, because uh, it, I, as I understand, there were foreign purchases on the books that closed past January the 1st. And you know how generally there's like grandfathering or whatever and, and, and whatnot, but that was not the case here. So I haven't bumped into them, but I have heard that mm -hmm. um, this is, this is an issue. Right. Yes, definitely an issue. All right. If the contract was written before January first, there's still an issue. Yes. Oh, I read something con uh, con contradictory. <laughs> you know, the interesting thing though is the government forcing someone to sell. So, I mean, there there is some you know the things we're talking about today. It kind of takes away the rights of of homeowners or buyers in their purchase, right? You know, mm -hmm. this one we get because the the idea is to curb, uh, you know, runaway prices and everything. The di the difficulty, of course, though, is all right. You know, you targeted foreign buyers, but we've already identified in many cases that um, they barely exist. The other thing too, though, is it's residential properties, as you said, right, Capri? So that's three units or less, right? Yeah, residential properties, um, and it also includes vacant land that's zoned for residential use. Oh, vacant land not zoned for residential use. That is zoned for residential use. Oh, that use. is zoned. Okay, got yeah. it. However, yeah. if a foreign buyer wants to buy an apartment block or a recreational property, uh, that is allowed. Yes, there's there's certain exceptions to what can be purchased. Yeah. Um, and generally, the ban applies to residential property. God. Which, well, which does not include recreational use property. Yeah. So there's some other things, too. So uh, there are exemptions um, uh, for permanent residents, international students and foreign workers, as long as they've lived in Canada for a number of years, uh, and they intend to become permanent residents. Uh, and there's also an exemption for students 
although they yep. have to reside in Canada for 244 days every year for the past five years. Man, they're very specific here, right? Um, and the other thing, yeah. too, is they're limited to a purchase of $500,000. I'm guessing, Gurpreet, for you, that if you have a student that qualifies under all these things, that wants to buy something, and you're handling the closing documents, probably a whole raft of other documents you got to go through with them, right? Exactly. I'll, I'll also need proof of, of status yep. um, and to ensure that they do qualify. Yeah. Okay. See, and the reason why I wanted to bring this up today is I have heard, um, where was I? I think I was on a chat group or something with a bunch of realtors and the, the, the dialogue came up. Oh yeah. Well, whatever. People will always find a, you know, a, a workaround. It feels to me that that's going to be kind of difficult here. It is going to be difficult. Cause remember, we also have transparency declarations that we have to sign as part of the closing process now yep. um, where you essentially have to disclose whether or not you're the legal and beneficial owner of the property. And there's penalties if you misrepresent on those. God, and for our listeners, beneficial ownership is a 20% or more stake in a property, uh, I believe it is, right? Any beneficial interest. Okay. Um, but yes, for there's the corporate side of, of yep. this, which is the transparency registries, and there's transparencies, transparency reports that <laughs> have to be prepared at the time of closing. Yeah, and this answers the question about phantom buyers. It's like, oh, yeah, well, Bob Smith from Kelowna bought this house, but it's not really Bob. It's, you know, uh, Jimmy Lee from, you know, Beijing in the background or something. Yeah. And that's that's the whole idea of this transparency thing, right? Exactly. And also looking at who, who are the shareholders of corporations? Where are they located? What is their residency status? Yeah. <laughs> so, Denise, switching to you for a moment, uh, mortgages. Has the mortgage industry uh, given you guys a, uh, like, what happens if you get contacted by a foreign buyer that says, hi, I'm thinking of purchasing a property? Yeah, we're just, each lender is starting to bring out their own, um, uh, making clear what their ex um, exceptions to it are. And, and when you were just speaking about the, you know, the students or a temporary resident studying in Canada, sorry, or temporary resident working in Canada, um, you know, one of the big things lenders are always wanting to make sure is, is that the, um, the clients are filing taxes in Canada. So you can maybe have been here for three years already under your work permit, but if you're not filing taxes, you're not going to get a mortgage either. So we, that's going to be a big thing is that they'll have to have, um, in some cases, um, filed income taxes for the last three of the four taxation years. Uh, and that's for students and temporary, um, have filed income taxes for each of the last five taxation years. Interesting. So tax returns will be a really big part of it. Um, absolutely. I think if I'm faced with the application, uh, it'll be a lot of due diligence on my part before they even get down that, that road of meeting with a realtor. I, you know, I hope they start with the mortgage broker and, and we can actually cut things off in time before any offers made. If we do find that they are not going to fall under any of the exceptions. Well, and the other thing too, uh, for the legal and for the real estate community, there are fines. So if I think <laughs> of lawyers or realtors try to bypass this, uh, we could uh, we can get in big trouble, right, Capri? Absolutely. <laughs> I think I think it's a minimum ten thousand dollar fine is what I first read. <laughs> okay. Yeah, and that, okay. that's for the non-Canadian who purchases. Okay, right. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> 
Well, hey, listen, you know what? I, uh, let's just finish off uh, with this little point, though. Uh, New Zealand implemented a ban in 2018. Uh, the foreign buyers there were only about 2.8%. You know, we're not that far from that. And what happened was uh, it caused uh, it to reduce from 28 to 0.4%. So it worked in New Zealand, reducing the foreign buyers. But what it didn't do is help in affordability anyway, because just like the rest of the globe, the market in New Zealand skyrocketed. Uh, you know, you've heard about Australia and all that kind of stuff. So it's not a it's not a affordability thing at all, right? The locals had a, a good enough time actually helping drive the uh, the prices up. Um, wow. Okay, so we we covered a ban on foreign buyers. Last thing too is they say Gurpreet is two years, but uh, who knows? Could be longer, right? Exactly. May very well be longer. Yeah. Okay. We're having a conversation today with our show partners, Denise Webster, our, our intrepid mortgage broker, and uh, Gurpreet Randawa, uh, our legal um, uh, person from the Sitco Law Group. And we're talking about a number of changes that have happened out there in the marketplace. Need to take a break here. We'll be back in just a moment. Now, The Whole Home Show with Tony Joe on CFAX 1070. Thanks for coming back. You're listening to The Whole Home Show, and I'm Tony Joe. Our show comes to you every week with the support of our show partners, Denise Webster, mortgage broker with Dominion Lending Center's Modern Mortgage Group, J.P. Sellis, insurance advisor at Westland Insurance, the Sitka Law Group for your real estate, wills and estates, corporate and personal injury needs, and Silhouette Home Inspections with Pierre Beauvais. If you need help or direction in your real estate transaction, give any of The Whole Home Show team members a call they would love to hear from you. You can find their contact information and mine as well by visiting cfax1070.com. Look under shows. There you'll find us, The Whole Home Show with me, Tony Joe. All of their contact information is there. Uh, or you can always just reach out to me uh, directly or reach out to them. You can Google their names as well, too. Um, as a reminder, too, if you are a podcast listener, you can download all 250 or so episodes of The Whole Home Show here over the past five years uh, by going to iTunes or uh, Google Play. They're all there with tons of information, including things that maybe we recorded three or four years ago, but might be rele relevant to you right now. So uh, go check it out. Listen in your car. We seem to be in our cars more nowadays. My goodness. It's like life is coming back, right? Our guests, uh, Denise from Dominion Lending Center's Modern Mortgage Group and Gurpreet Randawa from Sitka Law Group. Thank you both for uh, coming. Great to have you guys back. Thanks for having us, Tony. Thank you. Uh, yeah. Okay. We talked uh, just before the break about the ban on foreign buyers. So we got that. Uh, the next thing I want to cover is the BC Speculation and Vacancy Tax. You guys probably remember this was launched a couple of years ago. All of you who listen, who are homeowners, you know about this because every year you need to fill out the declaration that states whether or not you are occupying the home. Um, it came out in 2020. It covered the five areas of Vancouver, Lower Mainland, Kelowna, Nanaimo, and Victoria. Uh, now it has expanded, so it now covers the Cowichan Valley and Ladysmith, along with mm -hmm. Squamish and Lions Bay. So uh, what does the BC government think is happening? Well, I guess they think that there's more speculation and vacancy going on. So, um, Gurpreet, when do you bump into this? Um, so we typically don't bump into it as part of the closing process. I mean, in the standard contract of purchase and sale, there is a clause in there that says that the seller shall provide a statutory declaration confirming they're up to date with their declaration filings and that they're liable for any speculation tax during their years of ownership. 
Um, so that's kind of the extent to which we deal with it, but we're often um, contacted by prospective buyers who are in the process of buying, who just want some information on the tax yeah. um, and whether or not it would be applicable in their situation. You know, it's an interesting one. Again, um, the government apparently raised $78 million uh, in revenue. Uh, however, in my reading here, they state that 58% of that was paid by foreign owners, which means of that $78 million, 42% of it was paid by Canadians. Mm -hmm. Right? These are just people. Yeah. I mean, we've had them. I had clients that yes. uh, primarily were in Alberta and they had part-time yeah. residences here. Um, so it's, it's a tax on Canadians, right? The, yeah. um, the other thing too is the government reported that in 2020 and 2021, 26,000 homes uh, shifted from being vacant to occupied or rented. So they pushed 26, uh, that, sorry, 26,000 homes into being mm -hmm. used. That's good. I mean, I think that's what they intended. Yeah. But you got to think about it. There's 2 million properties on the BC assessment roll. 26,000, mm -hmm. not a big number. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So again, I don't think it's had an effect on um, on the marketplace. Uh, you know, everyone's hoping that these measures here would cause things to be to be more affordable, right? Mm -hmm. I'm going uh, off topic here a little bit, Tony, but um, I, that number also sounds similar to um, recent stats I've heard about with the stratas now no longer having rental restrictions. Yep. That's also pushed a lot more um, units out for rent. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so true. You know, it is uh, actually talk about a segue. Let's <laughs> let's cover that as a segue. So uh, that is the next one, which is the BC Housing Supply Act. And again, we talked about this on the program here just a few weeks ago. In fact, I had the housing minister uh, uh, come and talk about it. Um, but three things, folks, for you who are listening, maybe you missed it last time. There is a ban on rentals in strata condominiums, condominiums, townhouses, and bare land stratas. You can no longer have uh, restrictions on the ability to rent. Uh, and the other thing, too, is uh, removal of age restrictions. So those buildings that were 19 plus or 25 plus or whatever, you can't do that anymore with the exception of buildings that are 55 plus, And that is intended for, uh, you know, a lifestyle, lifestyle sort of uh, ownership. Uh, and the last one was that municipalities uh, will be having to listen to the provincial government as far as meeting uh, housing targets for specific market areas. So they, they want to push municipalities to build more homes. Right. Mm -hmm. Um yep. But just reeling back to what uh, Denise brought up, you know, this whole notion of allowing rentals and changing age restrictions, um, you, I, I suppose the intent, and I think maybe it will become helpful, is uh, giving more opportunities, for instance, for those who are less than 55, right? Um, yeah. And I often think about myself because I had a condo in Fairfield that I had to sell because there were no rentals allowed, I would have kept it and I would still have it and I would have it as a rental and I would probably keep it, you know, uh, uh, for the rest of time. Uh, and I would have good tenants, mm -hmm. right? And that's the thing that people, you know, uh, stratas are often concerned about or, or whatever. It's, oh, it's going to be rentals, you know, it's going to be overrun by, you know, bad people or whatever. No, there's good tenants too, right? Mm -hmm. yeah, um yeah. But shifting over to Denise there, I mean, have you seen 
uh, people who are now uh, seeing this as an opportunity, maybe, hey, maybe it's time to buy an investment property. You know, for instance, there's condos by the university that have never been able to be used for rental, but they can now. And I think that yeah. might be a good opportunity. There's definitely a lot of chitter chatter about it for sure. And I think, I mean, the best side effect of that is people not feeling forced to sell just like you were. Right. I think that was the, the big game changer for people that do want to hang on to their real estate, but they've outgrown their condo and they want to buy the home and keep it a rental property. You know, that just wasn't an option for people. So I, I think it's really um, it's it's a great decision for so many different circumstances. And um, if, you know, if if somebody can afford to hang on to that property and now make it a rental property, yay, let's let's help get these people that are so struggling. We have such a shortage of vacancies. So. I think, I think it can just turn into some really good stuff. You know, getting back to my story, you know, I, I, like I said, as I think about it and clients will be of the same consumers will be in the same boat as well too, to be forced to sell the condo unit. And then at a later date, you know, when you're in a different financial position and then you want to buy an investment property, I mean, it would have been a lot better to have kept the first one to begin with. Gosh, yeah. You've got property transfer tax to deal with. Mm -hmm. You've got the real estate and transfer costs. You got all that kind of stuff. Um, I mean, I think I think this is this is a good thing. And and I can tell you guys that we did experience very quickly on. We had a condo for sale in Fairfield that was having difficulty. It had age restrictions, uh, and it had rental restrictions, and it was purchased by an investor in Vancouver. As soon as that was changed. Yes. Yeah. yeah. What? Yeah. 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 So very, very interesting. Now, the tricky thing, though, uh, Gurpreet, have you heard of um, or have you bumped into cases where stratas are now talking about pushing up the age restriction? They weren't limited. Now they're going, hey, let's do this 55 plus thing. I mean, we don't practice strata law, so um, so I can't really comment on that, but I have received a couple of inquiries from existing clients who want to get more information on that. Yeah. Um, so it certainly sounds like Stratas are looking into that. Well, you know, you suggested that we have Justin Hansen on uh, the program, which we did a couple of weeks ago. He's the Strata uh, um, person, uh, <laughs> legal uh, person, and he was saying they're getting a lot of calls from people because yeah. there are buildings out there that are 45 plus. So the push to 55 isn't that big a deal. Yeah. Um, but, you know, there are ramifications too, because it will affect resale. Harder exactly. to sell and a number yeah. of things, right? Yeah. Some lenders won't touch them. Age yeah. restrictions. It right? restricts the marketability. Yeah. Oh, oh my goodness. Well, listen, uh, we got to take our last break of the day. We're having a conversation today with Denise Webster, a mortgage worker with Dominion Lending Center's Modern Mortgage Group, and also Gurpreet Rendell, a partner at the Sitka Law Group, uh, covering all these changes out there in the marketplace. Last break of the day. We'll be back in just a moment. This is The Whole Home Show with Tony Joe on CFAX 1070. Thanks for coming back, everyone. You're listening to The Whole Home Show, and I'm Tony Joe. Uh, we have on our program today our show partners, Gurpreet Randawa, partner with the Sitka Law Group, and also Denise Webster, mortgage broker with Dominion Lending Center's Modern Mortgage Group, both uh, longtime supporters of this program. And thanks to them, they we are able to deliver this great content to you, our listeners, week after week after week. Uh, thank you both, of course, for joining us today, as as you often do. I think it's been a while since I've had both of you side by side, right? Yeah, might have been a year ago. 
Yeah. Oh, remember those old days when we used to be in the studio and, and all that? <laughs> yes. This, the, you know, uh, Zoom, there's so many things that have occurred as a result of uh, the pandemic um, that just kind of streamlined workflows, right? This makes things a little bit easier. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. We're talking about a number of changes out there that have ramifications for consumers, buyers or sellers, and also homeowners. So uh, let's just do a little recap here. We talked about the federal ban on foreign buyer purchases. Um, we have talked about the expansion of the BC speculation and vacancy tax now into new areas. Um, actually, before I forget, we didn't mention, as a reminder, folks, speculation and vacancy tax, it is 0.5% of your assessed rate of your property if you're Canadian and 2% if it's a foreign-owned property. Right. Um, we also touched on the BC Housing Supply Act, which is the recent, we're talking really recent. This was like November, right? Uh, ban on rentals for strata buildings, complexes. Also, no more age restrictions. Uh, and the uh, province setting housing targets for municipalities covered all those things. Um, what's next on our agenda here? And I remember folks, uh, at the very beginning here, I mentioned that I wrote a blog that covered all these things. Uh, I will put it in our show notes. Uh, if you visit cfax1070.com, uh, or if you'd like it, just email me. Uh, I will uh, send you the link. Just visit primeteam.ca, primeteam.ca slash blog. Cause it's all there. Uh, next one I want to talk about is the home buyer rescission period. And again, Gurpreet, I'm sure people will be asking you about this one. Uh, what it is, what it mm -hmm. is, folks, is that, uh, you know, we had that point in time where people were buying uh, properties unconditional, so not subject to building inspection, not subject to mortgaging. Although, Denise, you know, a lot of times people still had to have a mortgage. They were just not yeah. making it conditional, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So uh, basically, in the height of the heat of the moment, they have multiple options. You compete with 20 other people, and then you win, and you go, oh, my goodness, I feel great because I won this property. I know I paid 200000 over list price or whatever it is. Uh, and then you go to bed, and you wake up in the morning and go, what have I done? Right? And yeah. so what the provincial government has done is they're saying, all right, well, we're going to have this cooling off period. So consumers now have three days, three business days to change their mind. And if they do change their mind, though, uh, it's not a simple matter of just walking away. Right. Uh, there are some ramifications. So uh, there, what do we call it? It's not a fine. It's a... Uh, so there's a rescission fee. A rescission fee. Okay, yeah. got it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's 0.25% of the purchase price. So if, if it's a million dollar property, for instance, and the buyer decides to execute the right of rescission, that is 2,500 bucks. Correct, yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay, folks, just to let you know, that $2,500 goes to the seller. And the purpose of the rescission fee is to prevent buyers from making a whole bunch of frivolous offers like you know a buyer can go i'm gonna make an offer on this one this one this one and this one and then uh on the last day i'm gonna get rid of all but one that's what they're trying to do right yeah. um here's a question for you Gurpreet, because the bit of confusion around this right now is if someone does execute the three-day rescission period how can the seller how can the seller retrieve that money because even as a brokerage, we're having, we're struggling with this, right? 
Yeah. So if a deposit, so it depends on a couple of things. Typically a deposit's paid once you lift conditions. Yes. Um, but that might be a part of the negotiations now where a seller may want a nominal amount up front. At least that 0.25%, right? Exactly. Yeah. And if there is a deposit that's held, essentially the fee can be deducted from that deposit. Mm -hmm. um, otherwise, it is something that the buyer does have a legal obligation to pay to the seller. Um, in theory, if a buyer refuses to do that, there is recourse, um, but who's going to take those steps? Exactly. So I, I guess really, you know, what we have seen here is how these deals would be structured now. If I had somebody who wrote an offer on my seller's property and it was an unconditional offer, I would make sure that at least 0.25% of that is paid up front, right? Uh, yeah. With the balance coming after the three days. Exactly. Yeah. The, I mean, this is only going to happen with somebody really writing an unconditional offer, correct? I mean, if you, it, because, like if they even put conditions for three days, yeah. um, then they're not using their rescinding offer, right? If they did put an inspection in three days. Well, this is really the point, right? Because it's it's a matter of too little, too late, right? This would have yeah. come in handy. This would have come in <laughs> handy a year ago. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> but uh, I'm sure both of you have seen, like even us as well too. I haven't done an unconditional offer now for months. Everything yeah. has a subject to financing, subject to building inspection, subject to whatever. Um, and they were all typically like a week. Yeah. Yeah. Right? It's a little too late, I feel too. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not seeing as many unconditional offers either. Yeah. So the the rule of thumb there, I think, for buyers and for realtors and sellers need to know as well too is if a buyer has a writes an offer, has subject to financing inspection or whatever, uh, if they if they are going to change their mind or if something happens, like for instance, they can't get their financing or if an inspection issue comes up, just make sure you do it in the fourth day. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. So uh, yeah, we always hope of course that a buyer is entering into a contract in good faith. Yes. So going back on that, it's not like a buyer can say, uh, I'm going to collapse this due to me not getting financing, even though I can, because that's not the correct use of, of uh, canceling a deal, right? I really well, exactly. Sorry, go, go ahead. Sorry, Denise, I was just going to say, yes, buyers must act in good faith. Um, if they have conditions um, and choose not to proceed based on the fact that they cannot get financing and they had a financing condition, um, that's a valid reason to terminate. But if if they had, let's say, a title review condition and they decide to terminate because they can't get the financing, that's not acting in good faith. Yeah. Um, the, the rescission period, that three-day rescission period, essentially allows a buyer to terminate for any reason. Yeah. Um, yeah. But again, now we aren't really seeing as many of those unconditional offers as we had been seeing last year. Yeah. I think it really addressed people making multiple offers on multiple properties. All right. Uh, the next one is the federal anti-flipping tax. And this is a fun one, everyone. The federal government is now saying if you buy a house and within 12 months, if you decide to sell it for, for a number of reasons, uh, and if you made money on the sale, then that money that you made on your principal residence, which would normally be exempt from taxes 
will now all of a sudden become classified as a hundred percent business income. Isn't that a fun one, guys? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody's gonna try to get out of that one. Yeah. Okay. So with that, I think that's that's probably an accountant uh, situation, or is, or is there anything uh, at the at the law offices that has to do with that, Capri? Yeah, so that's really going to be an accounting issue. When you do sell, I generally remind clients that their accountant is going to need a copy of their seller statement of adjustments order to pay to deal with filing their next year's tax return. Mm -hmm. um, typically, I will tell clients if it was your principal residence, you likely are going to be entitled to the capital gains exemption. So you shouldn't have to hold back funds to pay taxes. But now that's not the case. So if you do sell within 365 days, want to purchase another property, you may need to factor in um, the tax that's going to be assessed on that profit, which is going to be treated as business income now. And the presumption, of course, is that the property has gone up in value in the yeah. 12 months, right? Exactly. Yeah. So again, maybe this is something that would have been handy uh, a year and a half ago or some of that, two years ago. Uh, but as of right now, because we talked in the very beginning with Denise about, you know, mortgage rates and, you know, slowing in the market and all that kind of stuff. I think the likelihood of any uh, appreciable uh, uh, increases in value in the next 12 months, probably pretty slim, right? Pretty slim, unless you have those situations where investors are able to find that property that they think that they, they're going to uh, be able to renovate, yeah. maybe move into, sell. Yeah. Oh, here, actually, I'm glad you brought that up because here's another example. Um, off the market, because you hear about this every once in a while, not with organized real estate or whatever. Sometimes somebody takes advantage of, you know, little Mr. and Mrs. Smith or whatever, and uh, ends up doing a flip. Um, well, that's no longer tax-free dollars, right? Yeah. Yeah. Very interesting. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, the last thing I want to bring up, uh, we've covered a lot of stuff today, and this one uh, is more an organized real estate one. I just touch on it really quickly. Folks, you, you, you're familiar with these coming soon things. You know, you see on your for sale sign, you've got a coming soon sign. You know, you go on realtor.ca, you see the listing isn't there. You contact the realtor and the realtor says, well, it's not listed yet, but it's going to be, you know, it's we're just preparing the house for sale. It's going to be ready in a week or something like that. Uh, well, we have now a set of rules uh, imposed on us, the real estate community, by the Canadian Real Estate Association. And they are, by the way, that's the organization, the body that administers Realtor.ca. You know, that great website that you all use when you're searching properties and everything. It's CREA that administers that. They, on the other hand, are also able to impose certain rules and restrictions on all 135,000 realtors in Canada. And what they are saying now is coming soon listings aren't permitted. If you are, uh, if somebody is selling their house, it has to go on the actual MLS system within a certain number of days. And you're wondering, you're like, why are they doing that? It's because in Ontario, it is common that this property is not on the market right now. Um, I, a realtor working for a buyer would call the agent and they go, oh, it's not available for sale. But then my buyer calls the same agent and says, oh, I'll sell it to you. Don't bother calling Tony. Ah, so they do this kind of end run thing. Now, it's not an issue here in BC, folks, because since 2018, there's been a ban on dual agency anyways. Mm -hmm. So that seller's agent cannot do that. So anyways. Well, is, that, is that dual agency only in BC? Yes, correct. Oh, yeah, sorry, I thought that was Canadian. No, okay. no, just BC. We got so much fun BC. stuff here, right? Just BC stuff. 
Yes. Anyways, folks, we covered a lot today. Uh, thank you, Denise Webster, a mortgage broker from Dominion Lending Center's Modern Mortgage Group, and Gurpreet Randau, our partner at the Sitka Law Group. Uh, always ha great having these conversations with you guys. Yeah. Always well, thank good you to <laughs> and we're trying to help people through this very uh, complicated process. And uh, listen, folks, as always, if you need to have a chat about any of these items that we discussed today, reach out, reach out to the team here at the Whole Home Show. Uh, thank you, guys. And uh, for the rest of our listeners, we'll be here for you this time next week.